0: by the idea of sarcasm available on archive of our own summary i failed to take voldemort down and it costs them their lives no remus no i have this unwarranted unwanted second chance at life i'm going to destroy the horcruxes i'm going to make it so the next time he comes he can be killed no more death no more loss harry deserves more better or regulus had a plan he was doing his best he might have lost the plan along the way he might have lost everyone along the way This is him trying to make it right. The first time Regulus transformed into his animagus form, he was pissed. A black sparrow? Seriously? Sirius gets to be this great lump of a dog, and James, Merlin James, was so bloody majestic in his stag form. Regulus had, stupidly, oh so stupidly, hoped that he might have been a stag too. Some kind of proof that they were meant to be. He would bet every galleon on earth that Lily would be a doe. Stupid, heteronormative bullshit. He knows it's his fault that James won't even look at him anymore, but he had to make decisions. When Evan was forced to join the Death Eaters by his father, Regulus and Barty had vowed not to leave him behind. They began to make plans, the three of them, bound together as the first people to love the others unconditionally. Once, Regulus had felt like that was a betrayal of Sirius, but he had been proved wrong when his brother had never even questioned Regulus' true loyalties after Bellatrix opened her mouth about how Regulus had gone to his first meeting with her. Sirius didn't even look surprised. Wasn't. It was clear then that his brother had always expected him to fall in this way. James, at least, had tried to reason with him. Begged him in those dark alcoves under the cloak, held together, close as lovers do. Begged him not to rip them apart like this. Regulus had held firm every time, and then cried himself to sleep in Barty's arms later. He had to do this. They had a plan. Evan was the first to pick up on the Dark Lord's interest in Horcruxes, and the three of them had slowly began to put the pieces together. When they realised just how deeply fucked the world was, they made a pact. Keep their covers, destroy the Horcruxes. No matter the cost. In November 1979, Regulus received an owl. He felt like his heart stopped in his chest when he saw the handwriting, as if that scroll wasn't ingrained into his soul now, as if he didn't reread their old letters every night. James. For the first time in years, it was James. He didn't know what he expected, but it wasn't this. Reggie, I know it's been a long time since I saw you last, but I wanted you to hear this from me. I haven't told anyone else yet, but Lily agrees with this letter. Lily and I are expecting a baby. I don't really know why, but I thought this might change your mind, make you come home. We all miss you, especially Remus, especially me. I know it wouldn't be like it was before, Reggie, but I lie awake at night worried about you. Now, with a baby on the way, I'm worried for it too. A baby in a war? I'm terrified, Reg. I need you to come home. I need you close. It's selfish, I know, but we will keep you safe. I know you're doing it for Barty and Evan. I know, I remember. But a baby? Reg, a new life? A new hope? A new generation for us to do better by? To be more than your parents were for you? Please, Reg, please come home. I need you to be safe. I miss you so much, Reggie. Come home, James. Under James's letter was another note in a delicate scrawl. Reg, you're always welcome at our home. You are family as much as the others. I'm pregnant now, you know. I shouldn't be stressing myself out about the wayward martyr of the family. I know you probably hate me these days because of James, but Reg, you're still one of my closest friends too, and the way you loved each other is different. I know I still love you though, and I'll always have somewhere safe for you. Love, Lils. Regulus blinked away the tears in the dark shadows of his bedroom at Grimald. A baby. He imagines fire-hearted Lily and sunshine James personified into a tiny human being, and his heart felt like it was going to burst. How he loves them! How this child will deserve the world! The letter almost worked. He almost fled right then and there to the Potters, to Effie and Fleamont, and to his James, to his brother and Remus and Lily, and this new light of the world. But he's not his James anymore. And Regulus forgives them both. He drove James away, and he loves Lily. He knows they'll be happy together. It still hurts. A baby in a war. I'm terrified, wretch. He might not be his James, but Regulus will always be James's. He charmed the letter, folded it carefully under his robes, and set into more research in the Black Family Library. Three days later, the Dark Lord requests a house-elf. Chapter 2 the first time Regulus was grateful for his Animagus form was shortly after watching Creature disapparate, as he felt the fingers of an Inferi close around his ankle, half mad with potion and feeling death close by. As a last effort, he transformed into the Sparrow. The Inferi lost its grip, even when, and even wet, the Sparrow was able to take flight. Up and over the water, out of reach of deathly fingers, delirious and strung out, Regulus let his animal instincts carry him on the wind, away from the cave and into the air. When Creature had returned from Voldemort and explained what had taken place, Regulus had known what was happening and had to take his chance. He hadn't even told Barty and Everon on the chance it blew their cover too, but they were all too deep now. He knew it was folly going into the cave with just Creature, but James's letter was tucked into his robes against his heart. But a baby, Reg, a new life, a new hope, a new generation for us to do better by. Yes, he would do better for Baby Potter, no matter the cost. His sparrow flew and flew and flew until he fell out of the sky. A broken bird dying from poison, half-mad with visions he couldn't comprehend. He wasn't sure how much time passed. He could feel his wings were broken, but he didn't have the strength to turn back now. Then there was fire above him, vibrant and shocking. No, not fire. Hair. He felt his heart stutter in his sparrow's chest. Lily? He focused on the face below the shock of hair. Not Lily a small boy, bright blue eyes and freckles. The boy carefully collected Regulus into his palms and began walking. Regulus was still hallucinating in his sparrow brain, but the boy was muttering soothing things to him while they walked, and Regulus let his fuzzy mind drift. There was shouting, loud crashes and laughter. "'Please, Mum, just till it gets better. It's nearly my seventh birthday. I'm old enough to look after it, Mum. I swear, it's only a sparrow. It's not like I brought home an injured dragon or anything.' Regulus could feel the boy's words as he was held carefully in those child-sized hands. A woman appeared, looking worried. She had her hand on her swollen belly, and Regulus thought of Lily again. Oh, Charlie. Fine, just until it's better again, but you have to look after it properly and keep it away from the twins. Regulus lost track of time again. He could see snow on the ground outside. The boy made him a bed in the window. Well, he supposed it was more of a nest. Honestly, Regulus was hardly with it. At one point, an older man appeared and had done a diagnostic spell on him. Merlin, Charlie, where did you find the poor thing? It looks like it's ingested some kind of illegal potion. That'll be why the wing isn't healing yet. He's fighting the effects of the potion. Honestly, he might not recover from this, but he just needs time. The boy persevered, though. He hand-fed the sparrow and told him stories about dragons and read the tales of Beelzebub and kept him warm. Regulus was barely aware. Eventually, the potion stopped affecting him and his wing started to heal. The snow had melted off the ground by now, and he learned from the Daily Prophet shreds that made up his bed that it was now April. The bird brain made it easy to forget sometimes, but then the boy would make some comment about how he wasn't allowed to see his friends anymore because it wasn't safe, and Regulus would think of the baby. Lily and his James, and he would be determined to leave all over again. He determined it was June by the time he was ready to depart. The boy cried, and Regulus almost wanted to stay. But he had to go. He had to learn what he could. Regulus flew to the potter's home. It took him a while to work out where he was and how to get there, but he did. The warm rays of sun beat down on him with the taste of freedom once more. He arrived at the house to find it empty. He had assumed they'd gone into hiding. At first. At first. Regulus caught sight of fresh flowers on the ground. He swooped down to alight on the ground and read the tombstones. Fleamont Potter, 1909-1980 to Loving father, inventor and husband. Lost the dragon pox. Euphemia Potter, 1912-1980. to 1980. Lover of strays, doting mother and wife. Lost dragonpox. dragon pox. The shock that hit Regulus was like a tidal wave. Effie and Monty. He hadn't even had a chance to say goodbye. James, oh, James. He must be devastated. Serious too. The only parents his brother and he had ever been loved by. Sirius would be hit hard by losing Effie. Regulus couldn't... Oh. Oh, oh, fuck. To the left of the fresh graves was a third tombstone. The ground under it unperturbed. No flowers adorned it. Just a small wooden carving of a stag. A gift left by a mourner. Regulus Arcturus Black. 1961 to 1979. Beloved brother and friend. The most beautiful star in the sky dead. People thought he was dead. No cause of death for himself. How could there be? They wouldn't know. No cause of death. Did they think he died in service to Voldemort? Did they think he lost to the other side? No, there wouldn't be a grave if they did. Surely. Beloved brother. Had Sirius added that, or was it James on his behalf? Oh, fuck. Regular sat by the grave in his sparrow form for a long time. What should he do now? Go to Dumbledore? To Evan or Barty? What if that blew their covers? If people assumed he was dead, then Voldemort must have known Regulus betrayed him. He couldn't just go back to them, maybe to Dumbledore? In truth, he wanted to find James and Sirius and explain things to them, but he wanted to tell them about the Horcruxes and warn them, but he didn't know where they were. No, that was selfish anyway. He needed to locate the other Horcruxes, He still had his list in his human pocket, he assumed. Decision made, Regulus turned back into his human form for the first time in six months. He instantly regretted the choice as pain rolled over him in waves until he blacked out. He woke hours later in the dark. Fantastic. Well, he might as well stay the night. Standing, he moved toward the house, only to stop and scoop up the hand-carved stag from the grave. My Jane. Inside, he took a cold shower and stripped the dust sheets from James's bed. The bedding, the whole room really, held his smell. Home. Regulus curled up in James's bed and could almost imagine James was in the other room and would join him shortly, holding him through the night. Chapter 3 The first time Regulus Black wished his animagus form had bigger wings is as he flies through a summer storm to London. When he woke in James's bed, there'd been a moment. Just one whole heartbeat, where the dust motes floated in the sunbeams and the smell of safety surrounded Regulus, and he had thought that he was home. Then he remembered. Regulus dressed and restocked his pockets, James and Lily's letter, the Kill the Dark Lord to-do list, the stag from his grave, and his wand. He had stood by the bed for a moment longer than he should have before he transformed and flew out of the window, leaving behind the last vestiges of home. He flew directly to Wool's orphanage. He wasn't sure what he planned to do when he could hardly leave his sparrow form, but it was the first place to start. The wind and rain battered him the entire way, and for the first time, he had wished for bigger wings to fight against the storm. After spending days perched on the window outside the orphanage office, Regulus finally found his way into it, when the matron opened the window to let the summer breeze in. When she left the room, Regulus hopped inside and transformed to go through the files. He didn't have long, so he copied the documents with his wand, shoved them inside his shirt and transformed again. Honestly, he didn't know how far the things-in-my-pockets-transform-with-me rule could be pushed, but he was grateful. He fled the city and took up shop on an abandoned building. He spent the next three weeks reading the documents and visiting the matron's office. At the end of July, an owl landed on the roof of the building Regulus was camped out on. The letter had his name in James's handwriting, and Regulus forgot how to breathe. Reggie. I don't know what I'm doing, writing to a ghost. I just... Marlon Reg, I wish you were here. Lily gave birth this morning. Harry James Potter. He's healthy and Lily is doing well. Sirius spent the entire night in Mungo's waiting room and cried his eyes out when he saw Harry for the first time. So did I. I wish you could meet him, Reg. I'm going to tell him all about you. The most beautiful star in the sky. My Regulus. It's been seven months since Pete told us he'd heard you died, and then Wally put an obituary in The Prophet. I've never seen Siri so angry, Reg. He was livid with her. I think he's mad at himself, though. Blames himself for leaving you there and letting you join up. I've told him a hundred times, but he won't listen. I'm happy, Reg. I'm so happy. Lily is so clever and beautiful, and I'm so, so happy. I really am, but I can't help but feel like something's missing. Missing you. Remember when we talked about this? How she'd offered to be our surrogate when we were older? I remember, Reg. I remember every moment. I miss you so much. I miss my parents, too. I buried you with them, next to Dad. I know who was your favourite, even if you never said it. It happens so fast, Reg. It's so selfish, but I've lost so much, Reg. I have Lil's and the guys, but I always used to imagine doing this with you. I know if you were still here, you'd love Harry more than anything, regardless of me and Lily. You would love him so violently, I would fear for anyone who got within an inch of him. I miss you so much, Reg. We all do. Remus had to stupefy Sirius when he found out. He was beside himself, ready to go and punch you-know-who right in the face, I swear. I feel so guilty, because I love Lily. I do, Reg. And she loves me too. She loves me so much that she held me while I sobbed all night for a week, Reg. I felt awful lying in my pregnant wife's arms, sobbing about the boy I love. But she never did anything other than cry with me. You know how she loves you too. We sat together and told our favourite stories about you. She told me how you would hide away in the library together and gossip like mother hens, how you and Remus would trade gossip for chocolate, and how you taught her all the little potion tricks. We wanted to name him Harry Regulus, but I couldn't find a way to justify it to Sirius. didn't seem like the time to tell him I've been in love with his brother since we were 13. We're about to go into hiding when we get discharged from Mungo's. Dumbledore said we have to. Voldemort is targeting us now, apparently. Something about a prophecy? I don't even care. I just want to keep those I love safe, and I'm failing. I keep losing people, Reg. I'm so sorry. They say you were fleeing the Death Eaters when you were killed. If I hadn't sent you that letter, you might have lived, Merlin. The things I would change if I could go back, Reg. I would have fought harder. I can't even remember your smell anymore. Sometimes I forget, you know. I'll get busy or have a moment of peace. But then it hits me all over again. I didn't even get to say goodbye. I guess that's what this is. Goodbye, Reggie. The most beautiful star in the sky. Yours forever, James. Enclosed in the letter is a photograph of James holding a newborn baby. The baby is all wrinkly. It looks tiny in James's arms. James looks like he's holding the entire sky. Regulus realises he's crying as he looks at the photo. Crying for his brother, for Remus and Lily, for the baby, Harry. Harry Regulus. He's crying for James and the grief and loss James must be struggling with. But mostly, he's crying for himself and the life they so almost could have had. He loves them, and James is right. He would do anything for that baby, ugly as it is. He would move the moon for Lily, for his brother too. But Merlin, he wishes, wishes he had chosen himself. Chosen James, been selfish. But he didn't, and now he's here, pretending to be dead, crying on a rooftop at the end of July, alone. When he looks up to clear his eyes, he realises the owl is still there. Regulus knows. He knows. He needs to reseal the letter and send the owl back undelivered. But then he has to blink back more tears at how hard James must be struggling with the loss of his parents and the fear for his new family. And Regulus does something stupid instead. James Fleamont Potter watches his wife nurse their newborn with pure adoration on his face. She's truly incredible, so brave and clever, and he is so in love with her. She takes his breath away. Harry gurgles softly in her arms, and James is bowled over with the love and joy that fills him at the sight. Chubby little thing with a shock of Potter hair. That Potter hair. His dad's hair. Merlin, he misses them. He misses Regulus too. That twists him up with all kinds of guilt. Guilt for Lily. Guilt for urging Regulus to run, just for him to get killed trying. Guilt for letting the grief ruin the first day of his son's life. He looks up again and sees Lily watching him. She smiles softly. We can still change his name, you know. Could do Harry Fleamont Octurus Potter. Sirius wouldn't have to know. She's such a goddamn blessing, his wife. She never questions his capacity to love her and Regulus so much at once. She's told him that she can't imagine a parent not loving two children equally. She told him that love is not a finite resource and that James Potter has a heart large enough for all of them. She knows he sent a letter to Regulus that morning. She took a photo of him and Harry to go in the letter. He didn't bother to duplicate it. He knows he'll just come back with the owl. He opens his mouth to reply when the sound of an owl at the window draws his attention. It's the one he sent to Reggie. It takes him a full minute to make himself move and retrieve his undelivered letter. Once the window opens, the owl hops into the room. James just stares. He can sense that Lily has stopped too. They both just stare at the owl he sent his dead lover. There is no letter attached to the owl's leg. It's just a single twig. James can't even think. Blindly, he reaches out and unties, unties the twig. The second it's loose in his hand, the stick transfigures into a beautiful bouquet of sunflowers and lilies. James's favourites. Stunned, James leans in and takes a deep inhale of the summer scent. Only, that's not the smell. No, these have been enchanted. The scent overwhelms James, and he crumples to his knees right there, tears falling uncontrollably down his face as the smell of Regulus Black floods him. He had forgotten, he thought, what Regulus smelled like. He had said so in that letter. And now he feels like a gift from the gods. From Merlin himself. And James stays there on the floor, head bowed over the bouquet as he sobs. They're from Reggie, aren't they? Lily is with him now on the floor. He wants to tell her to get back into bed. She just gave birth for Merlin's sake. But she leans over and inhales herself. He hears her sniffle. She's crying too now. The next day, James and Lily are discharged from hospital and go into hiding. The same day, only miles away from St. Mungo's in Muggle, London, Regulus restocks his pockets. James and Lily's letter, the kill the Dark Lord to-do list, the stag from his grave, James's letter, the picture of James and Harry, and his wand. Then he transforms and flies off to Scotland in search of the lost diadem. Chapter 4 The first time Regulus is grateful his animagus form is black is in mid-October 1981, as he perches outside an apothecary in Nocturn Alley and calculates how to break in. He's been officially dead for almost two years now, actively hunting horcruxes for over a year. He misses his friends, he worries for them, he heard rumours of the things Evan is doing, and Regulus worries how lost his friend is now. He is nothing of Barty, and is almost glad for it. If he's not known as a Death Eater, he won't be pursued by Auras at least. Regulus wants to speak to them, let them know what's going on, to tell them of the progress he's made, how far he's come, how close he thinks he is. He needs to break into this apothecary to steal the Basilisk Venom. It's going to be tricky, because this is Nocturne, so the shopkeepers aren't as casual as Diagon might be. But Basilisk Venom is rare. He might not find it in a normal apothecary. Regulus is watching the shop owner cast his warts as he shuts the shop for the night, watching the wand movements and learning the spells. When he gets distracted, the owner has a copy of the Daily Prophet under his arm. Regulus doesn't normally care to keep up with the paper. He knows Voldemort isn't dead, and he knows James would owl him if anything happened to the others. Whether he truly believes Regulus is alive or not, it's just the sort of thing that James does. Regulus gets some gossip from the community when he hangs around during the days, but this? How did he miss this? He worries his sparrow brain is misunderstanding, but they have a much better relationship these days. He's almost certain that the paper reads, Prominent Death Eater Evan Rosier, killed by Aura Moody during Raid. Regulus feels the world fall from under him. It takes him a moment to realise that it has. He fell from his perch. On instinct, he flaps his wings and takes flight. Away, away. Anywhere but here. No, no, no. Evan Rosier killed? Guilt. So much guilt. If he hadn't hidden, maybe this wouldn't have happened. But that was the agreement. Whatever the cost. No. He needs to find Barty. He needs to pull him out. Merlin. If Regulus lost James like that, he would go off the deep end. Fuck blood purity. Any excuse to let his rage go wild would be enough. Fuck. Regulus flies. He has no idea where Barty would be, but he takes off for the crouch house. He has to find Barty and pull him out before it's too late. Two weeks later and Regulus feels lost. He's checked everywhere he could think of, even Evan's home, which is all kinds of dangerously stupid. But he's out of his mind with worry. It's dawn on the 1st of November when Regulus lands in a magical London again. He's hoping he might find a rumour or a lead or even Barty Senior at this point. Any whisper of a clue would be welcome. Because of this, Regulus is paying very close attention to the whispers on the streets, to the atmosphere. At first, he finds himself confused. They whisper that Voldemort is dead, but Regulus knows that's not possible. He has personally hidden multiple Horcruxes, but they're not destroyed. Voldemort isn't dead. Then he hears the name. The Potters! Their son, Harry! The entire universe forgets to breathe for a moment. Harry. His Harry. James's Harry. No. No. Whatever it is, no. He flies frantically to the nearest paper stand and reads through his sparrow brain. The boy who lived, Harry Potter, defeats he who must not be named. Regulus is baffled, so confused, but then he reads on and he stops caring how. Harry's parents both perished in the attack at their safe house in Godric's Hollow. Godric's Hollow. Regulus is flying before he can think about it. It's dusk by the time he arrives in the village, and it's very clear the Ministry have already been. The house is glamoured, but as he flits closer he sees through it, and the shock of the sight forces a shift back to human. Regulus sits there on the cobbled path before the cottage. Well, what was a cottage? He can see the spell damage to the room from here. It takes him a full ten minutes to get himself together. Unsure if it's the lack of use of his human form, or the pure shock and grief, Regulus staggers into the house. The stairs creak as he climbs them. He hesitates before the bedroom door. He's terrified, as if he was in the moment. The nursery is soft yellow. Hand-painted sunflowers and lilies decorate the walls. There's a cot with a sun and moon mobile above it. Regulus can see the words, Love Uncle Mooney and Uncle Padfoot, engraved on the top rim. The damage to the nursery is like a physical blow. It looks like the aftermath of a muggle nuclear bomb. There's black ash shadows up the walls. It's unnatural. The killing curse shouldn't leave a mark like this. Something about this feels inherently wrong to Regulus. It takes him a long time to leave the cottage. He sits in the garden outside in the bitter winds. He feels at a loss of what to do now. He needs information. He needs to know what happened. Harry must be with Sirius and Remus. Regulus isn't worried about Harry for now. Barty and learning what happened are his priorities for now. Then, he needs to keep hunting the Horcruxes. He knows this isn't it. Voldemort will come back. Their sacrifice won't be enough. Merlin it should be. Their lives are worth a thousand of his. Were. Their lives were worth a thousand of his. Fuck. Regulus hauls himself off the ground and checks his pockets. Lily and James's letter, the kill the Dark Lord to-do list, the stag from his grave, James's letter, the picture of James and Harry, his wand, James's two-way mirror, James's snitch, which Regulus found in the nursery, and a photo of Lily and Harry, which Regulus took from the mantle. With one last wipe of tears, he transforms and takes off once more. Chapter 5 The first time Regulus Black wished his animagus form could swim was as he beat his wings furiously against the brutal sea winds surrounding Azkaban. Regulus had been continuing on with his hunt when he saw the news. Sirius was sent to Azkaban for the murder of Peter Pettigrew. Regulus knew then, knew what Peter must have done, knew Sirius would never have betrayed James. Not in a million lifetimes would Sirius Black betray his true family. While disturbing, Regulus couldn't let the news change his plans. Sirius would get a trial, Dumbledore would ensure it. Harry would be with Remus, they would be safe. All Regulus could do was continue on his path. Weeks later, as he was back in Wizard London, having failed to break into the apothecary, Regulus was stalking out the patrons to see if anybody purchased the venom and he could then steal from them. It was raining something vicious. The droplets felt like ice on his wings in the bitter December cold. Did you hear about Crouch? Talk about getting what's coming to him. Authorising lethal force against the Death Eaters just for his son to be caught with the Lestranges for torture. The Longbottoms didn't... The wizards in the alley below where Regulus was perched under the overhang of a shop disappeared, walking fast in the downpour. Regulus was starting to get used to the feeling of his world ending now. Barty, oh, Barty, no. Maybe it was this bloody apothecary. Punishment for Regulus planning to steal. Fuck This. He was in flight before he realised his choice. Sirius Orion Black was hollow. He wasn't even sure how much time had passed as he sat in his cell and watched the waves crash below. Guilt and grief swirled within him. The Dementor's icy cold had long since seeped into his bones. He didn't care. He couldn't care. All he could remember was the look on Pete's face as he killed those muggles. The way Mooney had looked at him after the prank. The way Regulus had looked at him when he left Grimaldi. "'the sick glee of his mother's face as she punished him. "'On and on, all the worst memories of his life "'twisting up into a big empty pit in his heart. "'Then something moved. "'There was something in his cell with him. "'A bird. A tiny black bird. "'It skittered towards him carefully, "'hesitating to see if he would allow it. Sirius stiffly extended a hand, "'and the bird hopped onto his finger.' Raising the bird to eye level, Sirius watched balefully as the bird tilted its head at him. "'I don't have any food for you, bird.' His voice was raspy and hoarse. The bird trilled softly, and Sirius felt a smile trying to twist his face. Then the bird was gone. Back out the small window and into the wilds beyond. Sirius dropped his arm heavily and lost himself to time again. He must have dozed off because the trilling woke him. The bird was there again, but it was stuck. Sirius watched it for a moment as the bird trilled and flitted around the window. Sirius moved forward, slowly, so slowly, from his spot by the wall, and crawled towards the window. The bird had bread. The bars on the window are closer together than on the cell door, and the bread was stuck between them. The bird wasn't strong enough to push it through. Reaching up, Sirius yanked the bread. Even in his weakened state, he was able to move the food. Collapsing on the floor again, he stared at the bread. It was the same standard-issue bread Sirius got with his issued meals. Looking towards the door, he saw his allocated meal had been pushed through while he slept. There was bread already on his plate. Where did you get this? The bird, naturally, didn't reply, but fluttered over to the cell door. It tilted its head and then easily hopped through the gap. Sirius stared at the bird as it fluttered out of sight. Unsure that he could trust the bird bread, Sirius stared for a long moment before deciding that If the bird was trying to kill him, he deserved it anyway. Sometime later, the bird returned. Sirius had dozed off again, but woke to the feeling of something in his hair. Unable to care, Sirius barely bothered to turn his head. The bird was using its beak to brush his hair. Baffled but unbothered, Sirius fell back into his depression nap. The next time Sirius was awake, the bird wasn't there, but he saw his usual meal appear and dragged it closer. Not ten minutes later, the screaming started. Unusual for mealtime. Actually, unusual for Bellatrix to be screaming at all. That bird! That bird stole my bread! God! God! That fucking sparrow just stole my food! Sure enough, seconds later, the bird was at his door, dragging bread in for him. It was stealing Bella's food for Sirius. Sirius laughed. The sound was rough, ragged and blunt, and a shock to himself, but he couldn't help it. The bird trilled and puffed out its feathers. Sirius reached out and stroked it softly. The bird left quickly again, though, and Sirius sat, enjoying his extra bread, when the shouting started again. Oi, fucking bird! I'll kill you! Just wait! I'll pluck your feathers from your flesh and eat you raw! Robustion this time. Sirius watched the door, but the bird didn't appear again. Regulus Black watched from the window of Barty's cell as his father administered the polyjuice potion. He watched his friend, half mad with grief, as he was dragged from the cell. Barty's eyes never left Regulus. He didn't know. No one knew. But Barty didn't seem to understand what was happening. After Barty left, Regulus spent all of his time with Barty's mother. He sang for her, and he brought her be- bread, as he had done for Barty. He stole bread for Sirius and checked up on him, but he couldn't bear to leave his best friend's mother to die alone like this. It didn't take her long to succumb, but he sang to her the entire time, heedless of who else could hear. He returned to Sirius and perched on his window ledge, watching as they buried her body below the prison. Sirius stood behind him, watching too. You were singing for him? Sirius's voice was still harsh as knives. Good. He's just a kid. I don't know if he really did what they say, but... He was my brother's best friend. They'd have died for each other. There's a heavy beat of silence as Regulus feels his own ghost flood the space between them for a moment. Reggie would have wanted that. Thank you, Sparrow. Regulus knows. He knows he can't just stay here, keeping his brother sane for the next decade. But after all they've both lost, he can't quite bring himself to leave for a while. Too long, really. In July of 1983, one year and seven months after Sirius was sent to Azkaban, Regulus stages a heist. He steals as much bread as he physically can before the prisoners eat it. This is rather easy, as many of them are insane enough not to notice the food being delivered. He drags 23 lumps of bread into Sirius's cell. Sirius looks bewildered for a long moment before he slumps and nods. You're leaving? His voice is much smoother these days. He talks to Regulus a lot. Regulus doesn't mind. He wishes he could talk back, but transforming into a human would alert the Dementors to the fact that two people are in the cell. Regulus trills at him softly, and Sirius nods again and extends a hand. Regulus hops up onto his finger, and Sirius presses their heads together for a long moment. When Regulus arrives on the mainland, he transforms. It hurts. He then strips and washes in the cold sea. Once he's dressed again, he checks his pockets. Lily and James's letter, the Kill the Dark Lord to-do list, the stag from his grave, James's letter, the picture of James and Harry, his wand, James's two-way mirror, James's snitch, and a photo of Lily and Harry. With one last look towards the prison, Regulus transforms and takes flight again, back to the cursed apothecary for the venom. Chapter 6 The first time Regulus Black is grateful his animagus form is fast is as he dive-bombs Lucius Malfoy on his way out of the apothecary. He had returned to London not a week prior, after detouring to his hidden place to check on the two horcruxes he had stored. Days earlier, he had heard Malfoy ordering the venom and felt, for the first time in a long time, relief. Finally, a break. Malfoy was too bewildered to do much but panic. His other hand was holding on to a small boy, who shrieked with delight as the sparrows swooped and trilled around them before going for the kill and snatching the small vial from Lucius' other hand. Regulus fled, twisting and ducking behind other patrons and buildings to avoid the curses being fired at him. He didn't stop flying until he was back in Muggle London, on a roof again. There, he transformed and carefully placed the vial into his pocket. "'moving everything else into the other pocket. "'After catching his breath, he shifted again "'and returned returned to his horcrux hideaway. "'Deep in the forest of Dean, past a bluebell field "'and under the roots of a twisting old oak, "'was a magically dug cellar. "'Regulus had spent some time building his refuge. "'Inside was a bed, a small kitchen, and some storage. "'It wasn't much, but it was well hidden under the roots of the tree "'and every ward Regulus could think of.' There, in a hidden compartment of a cursed chest, lay a diadem and a locket. Regulus retrieves both items and takes them with him to a very different part of the forest. He hasn't walked like this in some time, but alone in the forest he risks it. Making sure enough distance has passed so that no one investigating would be led back to his bolt hole, Regulus lays two horcruxes next to each other and carefully dripped half of the venom onto each item. The screams and smoke were immediate. Both items vibrated with anger as the venom ate into them. Eventually, there was nothing but silence in the clearing, as the charred husks of Voldemort's soul called in the evening air. Regulus felt like he could breathe again. Finally, he was making progress. Moving forward, making things safe for Harry, for the red-headed child who'd rescued him, for the Malfoy boy. Sat on the damp forest floor, he emptied his pockets and unfolded the Kill the Dark Lord to-do list. He had added to it since leaving Azkaban. At least he had learned something during his time there, he supposed. Not that he could truly think of spending time with his brother as a waste. Bellatrix was an idiot. Boasting like that about being trusted with the objects Voldemort cared for deeply, Regulus had a feeling he knew what to look for. In everything he had learned of Tom Riddle, at the end of the day, he was nothing but a pretentious narcissist. Using his wand, Regulus struck, destroyed the diadem, and destroyed the locket from his list. He left still the venom, because having used his stash now, he would need more. Regulus had a feeling he was still missing one, though. He knew Voldemort wanted seven. As far as Regulus knew, there were these two, the part inside Voldemort, whatever was in the Lestrange vault, and there had to be at least one more. He had time, though, he supposed. As it was, he needed to work out how to break into Gringotts. But first, he was tired. So, so tired. Regulus walked home with full pockets and a dead horcrux in each hand. After securing them in his chest again, he crawled into his bed, while James's snitch fluttered overhead. The pictures of Lily and James with Harry stuck to the wall by his bed, and the stag clutched to his heart. Regulus slept with something that felt an awful lot like hope growing in his chest. In December 1984, Regulus had a plan, a stupidly simple and frustratingly obvious plan. After spending far too long going crazy, stealing magic books and researching spells and curses to override Gringotts, Regulus's eye was caught on a genetic wizarding law book. On a whim, he had taken it. It was that stupid book that made everything clear. Regulus wouldn't even need to break into the bloody place. He just needed to walk in. Apparently, as the last living and free male member of the House of Black, he outranked Bella. Given all male members of the Lestrange family were in prison too, it actually fell to Regulus to manage their estate as well. The difficulty came in exposing himself. He had a plan. He would owl and request a private meeting and hope it worked. He could fly in sparrow form and only reveal himself in private. In theory. Knowing his look, it wouldn't go well. He had a backup plan in the form of a letter to Albus Dumbledore, ready to be sent with a spell from Regulus. He might hate and distrust the old fool, but he would see this through at the least. Regulus would never forgive him for not getting a serious trial, though. Not until the old man was dead in the ground. Knowing how risky his plan was, Regulus made a choice. Prepping everything he would need in his pockets, he took off Ascapan once again. If he was going to be killed or made a prisoner himself, he could at least visit his brother some more before he was no longer free to do so. Sirius Orion Black thought he had finally lost his mind the first time he saw the Black Sparrow again. By the count of the marks on his wall, it had been 18 months since it left. Curled up his padfoot in the corner of his cell when the bird fluttered into view, he thought to himself, "Well." That's it. Two years in Azkaban, and I've lost my mind. Under the assumption it was a hallucination, Padfoot didn't move. The sparrow sat with him until the food arrived, and then it slipped away. Sirius transformed back and began to eat. When the sparrow returned with the bread, Sirius stopped. The bird was really here then. It had come back to him. Sirius extended a hand to the bird and brought it to eye level, pressing their heads together for a long moment. Sirius was more grateful to this bird than anything else in his entire life. Regulus Black gave his brother three months. Three months before he had to leave. During this time, an idea had formed in his head. Under the very large likelihood he wouldn't be able to keep his brother sane any longer, he came up with a contingency plan. The day he needed to leave, Regulus took a huge risk. He flew down to the shore and hid behind a rock out of sight. There, he transformed and removed something from his pocket. Transforming back, he used all of his strength to heave it into the air and back, haphazardly, into Sirius's cell. Trilling loudly to bring Sirius's attention to himself, Regulus hurtled haphazardly into his brother's waiting hand. Panting for breath in bird form, he collapsed, unclenching around the small, stupid bloody bird body. Mirror. Sirius was silent above him for a long moment. This is James's. He had this in Godric's Hollow. How did you get this? How did you know? Why now? His voice was hoarse from emotion, not from lack of use. And these were all valid questions, Regulus supposed, as he struggled to regain his breath. Not that he could respond anyway. When he could, he chirruped at Sirius and fluttered to the window before back to his brother. He looked confused. Oh, you're leaving again. Is this a goodbye gift? It doesn't work anymore. The person with the other half is dead. His voice broke on the word, and Regulus flinched. And my half is at my parents' house, I think. The auras took all my stuff when I was arrested. I don't have a use for this. Regulus just chirruped and flipped to eye level with his brother, who flung out a hand to support him there. They pressed their heads together again, and in silence, Regulus left. Again. When Regulus arrives on the mainland, he transforms and checks his pockets. James and Lee's letter... The kill the Dark Lord to-do list, the stag from his grave, James's letter, the picture of James and Harry, his wand, James's snitch, and a photo of Lily and Harry. With one last look towards the prison, Regulus transforms again and heads to the House of Horrors. Chapter 7 The first time Regulus Black wishes his animagus form had arms was as he stared at the door to Number 12 Grimmore Place. If he could open the door in bird form, this would be easier, but he knows better. He's been here before, of course. He retrieves a locket from Creature. He knows his parents are dead and the house will be empty, but childhood trauma really fucks you up. With a deep breath and a reminder of everything Sirius ever did for him inside the cursed place, Regulus transforms on the top step. It takes him an hour to locate the bag of things the Ministry must have confiscated from Sirius, including his wand. Regulus seriously debates if he could get away with leaving his brother with his wand without anyone realising he stands there for long enough that Creature appears. Master Regulus, will you eat for Creature? The last time he was here, he swore Creature to secrecy. He had taken pains to explain to Creature that Regulus was on Sirius's side, not Bellatrix's. That Regulus never wanted Creature anywhere near the sisters ever again for his own safety, if nothing else. Looking away from the one to his oldest companion, Regulus nods. He honestly isn't even sure if he can speak any more, having spent so long as a bird. Creature slinks off to the kitchen and Regulus pulls Sirius' leather jacket and takes the other half of the mirror, carefully placing it into his pocket, ensuring Sirius won't catch sight of him. Down in the kitchen, Creature laments how thin Regulus is as he cooks, and Regulus, again, feels that fragile tendril of hope inside him begin to squirm. Hours later, Regulus is back in his sparrow form, following an owl he sent. It's a trick he thinks will work. The letter to Remus is blank, but the owl doesn't know that. Regulus is rather surprised when it lands outside of a muggle pub. Through the window, he can see Remus Lupin, still handsome as ever, if a little more cut up. Remus is bartending. Regulus waits for hours for Remus to leave the pub. He follows him home. He's braced to see Harry for the first time, who must be five by now. He comes up short to find Remus entering a single room flat. He's alone. Remus is alone. Harry isn't here. Where the hell is Harry Potter? Regulus watches Remus for a few days, hoping he'll at least visit Harry. His anger at Remus slowly fades as he watches his once friend. It's clear Remus is struggling. He's living like a muggle for the most part and cries to himself far too often. It occurs to Regulus then as Remus sits in his empty home one day, what Lily did and where Harry must be. His fury, then, is incandescent. Lily and James Potter would have rather Harry be raised in an orphanage than with those people. He knows, but he would bet every galleon in his vault that this is Dumbledore. Fuck. All Lily was trying to do was protect her son, not condemn him to a life without his uncles, unaware of magic. The last day he spends with Remus, Regulus makes a rash decision. Once Remus leaves, Regulus transforms and takes off Sirius's jacket. He carefully lays it on Remus's bed before taking out his wand and copying the photos Regulus has of Lily and James with Harry. He makes two additional copies of each p- picture and puts one of each on the jacket for Remus and then leaves. When Remus John Lupin returns from the safe location where he spends his full moons on April 15th, 1985, he san- finds a small piece of heaven has been left for him. Remus can barely spare a thought for where they came from, he can hardly breathe around his tears as he pulls the soft leather on and drowns in the scent of his love. He sticks the pictures to the wall by his bed and sobs into the scent and feel of Sirius Black for the first time in years. Remus decides later not to question where they came from. He wears the jacket every day from then on. It takes Regulus four months to locate Harry Potter. It seems whatever archaic blood magic Lee did protects him from being traced via Owl. Probably for the best, Regulus thinks. The first time he breaks into the Muggle Records office, it takes him a while. He knows where Lee grew up and manages to locate a copy of a marriage certificate for Petunia, and eventually a birth certificate. He locates the hospital the child was born at and slowly begins to stalk local parks and nurseries, like a bloody creeper, for a sight of Harry. Eventually, in August 1985, he sees Harry. He looks exactly like James, and Regulus can't swallow around his heart. From there, he begins to watch Harry. He spends weeks playing with the child in the park while Petunia is busy with the other child. Eventually, Regulus takes his chance and transforms in front of Harry, but out of sight of the others. Regulus finds the conversation difficult. Actually, he finds it somewhat soul-destroying. It's pleasant and charming and, frankly, a beautiful core memory, but fuck, it hurts. After another week of seeing Harry while human, Regulus gives him the mirror. It's wrapped up in cloth so it won't work right away. Regulus tells Harry stories about his brother, tells him how close Sirius and James were, how Sirius is stuck somewhere far away, but he wants to speak with Harry. He supposes it has been months since he saw the bird. It occurs to him then that it might not actually be a bird. Maybe it's like a easel or something. Sirius honestly doesn't remember enough from of Magical Creatures to know. He remembers listening to the sparrow singing to Barty Crouch Jr into death, bringing him food, brushing his hair. He should have known it wasn't a bird. Harry is still talking and Sirius sets aside his questions and takes the absolute blessing that is communication with Harry. Hours later, Sirius watches Harry as he sleeps and thanks every single one of Merlin's descendants for the stolen time with his godson. His mother is with him, but Draco's smile is wide. Sparrow! Regulus collides with Draco and coos as Draco catches him in his hands. There are a few moments of twittering nonsense at each other before Regulus turns to flutter back into Harry's hair. The boys stare at each other for a moment too long, so Regulus pecks lightly at Harry's head. Ouch! Okay! Sorry! Harry rubs at his scalp while Regulus flies into Draco's hand again. Hi, I'm Harry. Harry offers Draco a small smile. Regulus can feel Draco go stiff. Harry Potter? His voice is stilted, and Harry just nods self-consciously. Another moment too long, and Regulus snips at Draco's finger. Merlin, okay, I'm sorry. I'm Draco, Draco Malfoy. Draco offers his mildly bleeding, whoops, hand to Harry, who steps closer and shakes it. Is the sparrow your pet? Draco asks. Oh, no he just shows up sometimes i thought he was my godfather's but i don't think he is sirius says the sparrow just comes and goes but he looks after us i don't know why but he's pretty cool regulus lets out an alarm chirrup and Harry goes red oh bloody hell He looks around quickly and can see that Hagrid is a few feet away, giving Harry the chance to make friends. And Draco's mother is talking to a shopkeep. Harry steps closer to Draco, who looks alarmed. Sorry, I'm not supposed to talk about Sirius. I really shouldn't be able to talk to him. No one is supposed to know. Please don't tell anyone. I'll get into awful trouble.